And why not? Why why wouldn't you partake in a nice, refreshing beer? I mean, look at look at the commercials. It's what to do, right? People hanging out, you have to toss back a couple beers. You have to drink a nice scotch or whiskey or, or a nice glass of wine. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? You're right. Like, whether we're happy, we're sad, we're angry, it doesn't matter. People are drinking left and right. They're coping with things with drinking. They're celebrating with drinking. But to be honest with you, I have not been drinking in 2020. As many of you action your New Year's resolutions, allow me to show you mine for 2020. I decided to limit my alcohol by, in large, abstaining. This week, we discuss the effects of alcohol on your body's biochemistry and physiology. We also discuss why you should stop for at least 10 to 14 days and how the benefits compound with time. Do us a favor, Maximal Beings, and leave us a comment or review. Hit the subscribe button and let your friends and family know so that we can get the word out. Listen, we've all been there. You go to the doctor and they tell you to lose weight. How? Move more, eat less. So you see a nutritionist and a trainer and they tell you to eat X, Y, and Z, leaving you having one salad a day, starving and unsatisfied. But fear not because Maximal Being is here. By harnessing the power of science, Doc Mock, a GI doctor and functional medicine practitioner, and R.N. Graham, an ICU nurse and ex-physique competitor, will teach you not only the how to reach your fitness, nutrition, and gut health goals, but also the why. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com shop and sign up for one of Maximal Being's fitness, nutrition, or gut health plans today. In addition to your plan, which has over a $2,000 value for only $100, you will receive 90 days of accountability from one of our coaches. Save 10% on prescribed supplements, get Maximize Your Nutrition, an instructional ebook, a cookbook, and much, much more. Bundle two or more plans and save, or sign up for a complete health overhaul and save much, much more. Act now and maximize your pathway to wellness at MaximalBeing.com slash shop. Welcome to Maximal Being, a GI doc and ICU nurse that break down the science so you can exceed your gut health, nutrition, and fitness goals. So, let's smash the bro science and optimizing your health with your hosts, Doc Mock and R.N. Graham. Okay. Hello, Maximal Beings. R.N. Graham here with another of our podcast. I am also here with, of course, my good friend and best doc in the world, Doc Mock. Uh, we're here with another podcast just to go over um, a very interesting topic today. So I'm going to start off by introducing myself as usual. My name is uh, R.N. Graham. I am a ICU nurse down here in South Florida. I am also an ex-fitness competitor and lover of fitness, food, and nutrition. And I'm going to go ahead and hand off to my good friend, Doc Mock. Thanks, R.N. Graham. Doc Mock here. I'm an advanced GI doctor. That's a doctor that specializes in cancer, does fancy procedures related to that. I also do a lot with gut health as well as nutrition here in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. Back to you, Aaron Graham. So what'd you do this weekend, Doc Mock? You know, we, we took it easy. We had some friends over, you know, we, we sat outside, socially distanced, grilled some good food, you know, told some good stories. You know, the usual, what guys do, they hang out. Nice. What, what did you drink? What do you mean, what did I drink? I mean, what? there's a bunch of people hanging out. You're going to have a couple of drinks, right? I mean, don't all guys sit around and drink kombucha or water? I mean, isn't that what most guys do? But, but what, are, what about like a nice beer or a nice cocktail? None of that? Oh, I didn't even think about that now that you mentioned it. Hmm, interesting. And, and, and why not? Why, why wouldn't you partake in a nice, refreshing beer. I mean, look at, look at the commercials. It's what to do, right? People hanging out, you have to toss back a couple beers. You have to drink a nice scotch or whiskey or, or a nice glass of wine. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? 
You're right. Like whether we're happy, we're sad, we're angry, it doesn't matter. People are drinking left and right. They're coping with things with drinking. They're celebrating with drinking. But to be honest with you, I have not been drinking in 2020. At all. Very rarely, maybe six drinks the entire year. In one sitting or the entire year? (laughs) The whole year. No spirits, one beer, and five glasses of wine the entire year. Why? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, why you ask? Yeah, I was about to ask that question. Why? Uh. I got to tell you, it's it's kind of a long story. And, you know, we're going to bring the mood down a little bit if you want me to do real talk here. But so I'm what we call in the medical profession and attending. Right. So I'm a like a full fledged doctor practicing independently. I went through 14 years of training, including medical school, internal medicine, residency, gastroenterology fellowship and advanced endoscopy. In the fall of my my first year of training, you know, I was doing a very routine procedure on a patient and, uh, you know, very suddenly that patient had a cardiac arrest. And, you know, although we did everything, got the patient back eventually, they they did die. And, you know, it wasn't a family member of mine. I had just met the patient, but as a healthcare provider, when we lose patients, we feel personally responsible. And after that time, I just had kind of a revved up sympathetic system, you know, call it PTSD, call, call you what it want, but I wasn't sleeping. I was having a hard time. And like, like most people, we cope, right? We cope one way or another. So after work, I'd have one, one glass of wine, no big deal. Right. But then I wouldn't sleep. And then the next day, come home from work, a glass of wine. I was noticing a cycle. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to break the cycle. So like all good nerds do, I got into the books and I started reading and I started reading about the effects of alcohol on sleep and our bodies and stress management. And I did an experiment on myself. I said, for 30 days, I'm going to stop drinking. It's amazing. That is quite amazing. I mean, you know, first of all, let, let me say, Doc Mock is not normal. <laughs> that is fantastic, and it's something that we should all strive for. But what we're going to talk about here on this podcast is not necessarily completely stopping to drink, even though we will tell you the reasons why you want you honestly should consider it. But you know, we're 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 going to talk about the effects that alcohol have on your has on your body, your mind um, during physical activity during sleep. Um, And we're going to break it down in layman's terms and as Dr. Marcus specializes in a very, very scientific term. So one thing about alcohol is that we all know is it causes death. And between 2006 and 2010, 88,000 deaths in the United States were from excessive alcohol use. Now, Doc Mock, what would you consider excessive alcohol use? So the way that excessive alcohol use is defined is greater than, on average, two drinks a day for a woman or greater than, on average, three drinks a day for a man. And that is averaged over a week. So if you have 21 drinks on Saturday, you are over the average. If you have three drinks every day after dinner, you are over the average. And those are, I would say, fairly liberal guidelines and they will get smaller. Oh yes. They should already be smaller as far as we are concerned. Now, the crazy thing about that is that number has doubled since 1999. Of course, we're right now in the middle of a pandemic. What has been the results in alcohol sales during this pandemic? They have definitely gone up. That is for sure. As Doc Mock alluded to earlier, one of our things we do is to cope, toss back one, toss back two, toss back three, limit, right? No, people keep tossing them back. So alcohol consumption and alcohol sales have gone up since the start of the pandemic. 
14% more increase for beer. Uh, spirits, 26.4%. Wine, 27.6%. And in fact, 33 to 40%, 33 to 44% of people taken in the study said that they have in, actually increased their drinking. Once again, this is a part of our coping mechanism. You know, we're sitting around, we can't go out. Oh, well, let's have some drinks. One drink can't hurt. Oh, one drink turns into two drinks, turns into three drinks, excessive drinking. So, Doc Mock, being that you are a guy that deals with a lot of things in the medical field, you see a lot of things that are brought on by drinking. What are some of the things that you have to say about this? So in my field, gastroenterology, the number of admissions for alcohol-related liver disease, that's liver failure, hepatitis, and complications related to scar tissue in the liver, termed cirrhosis, is on the rise. That is not only before coronavirus, but has exponentially increased, I will tell you, since coronavirus has occurred. Uh, my, my main specialty is with pancreatic biliary diseases in addition to cancer. And I will tell you that I've seen a ton of people with alcohol-induced pancreatic inflammation term pancreatitis, and a lot of cancers. You know, alcohol is tied to numerous cancers in the GI tract, in the pancreas, in the liver, but also the rectum, the colon, the stomach, uh, your head and neck, your larynx, which is your voice box, and in women, breast cancer as well. Not to mention all the cancers that are associated with just having a lot of fat around the abdomen, which alcohol definitely can cause that is associated with virtually every cancer in the human body. So yeah, we, we definitely know that increased fat leads to increased risk of cancer. Now, you mentioned um, some of the effects that alcohol has on the body. How does this effect happen? You know, what, so I take a drink, I take two drinks. Um, what is actually going on? What, where is this alcohol going? Where is it being absorbed? What is happening to it? Why is it that it takes such a toll on our bodies when we drink alcohol versus, you know, water? Yeah, there, there are so many reasons. So when you take that sip of alcohol, that alcohol travels through your food pipe or esophagus, which is in your chest, and then into your stomach, the stomach meaning the organ, not your abdomen. A lot of people call stomach the abdomen. About 20% of your alcohol is directly absorbed in the stomach, and the remainder is absorbed in the small intestine. Throughout that entire area, you have a barrier on top of your GI tract called the mucosal barrier, the mucus barrier. Alcohol just kind of cleaves right through that and damages your natural protective mechanism. In addition, it, it's alcohol, right? We use alcohol on our skin to kill bacteria. So it kills a lot of the helpful bacteria in our microbiome. Not only does it have an effect in our gut, but once it gets into our circulatory system, it goes through a biochemical process using an enzyme called alcohol dehydrogenase. Alcohol dehydrogenase is located in, if you wanna think of your cell as like a water balloon, it's in the water part of the water balloon. And this enzyme gets very easy and very easily overwhelmed. So it just takes a little bit of alcohol and then you're left with the byproduct of that enzyme, which is called acetaldehyde, which is a toxin in the body. Um, you need a functioning, you need a lower dose of alcohol to be able to get rid of acetaldehyde and only a small percentage of acetaldehyde is, um, is passed through the body or excreted directly either through sweating, through breathing, or through the urine. The rest has to be metabolized in, in the mitochondria by acetaldehyde dehydrogenase, which uses NAD as in dog. Once you run out of NAD, once you overwhelm those enzymes, you cannot release those uh, toxic substances. But when you are able to, say if you limit your drinking, that acetaldehyde is easily converted in the mitochondria, which is the cell powerhouse set, a part of the cell. So it's a, a kind of a powerhouse within the water balloon into something called acetic acid, which is a ketone. And we all know that ketones are the good guys nowadays, right? 
But if you overwhelm it, you're left with all this toxin floating around and that just wreaks havoc on the body. Interesting. That, that, that is extremely interesting. I mean, you know, most people think I drink, I go to the bathroom, it's gone. But that's not really the case now, is it? Mm-mm. How long does alcohol stay in our system once we start that first drink? So here's the, the really interesting thing. And this is when I was going through those times and making the decision to stop drinking. A lot of people think, right, I drink, I have a bender, I have a hangover the next morning. And then I feel fine the next day, right? Alcohol is gone. But it's, it's not gone? It's not gone. There is a substance that your body makes, which is a, kind of part of your fatty membrane called uh, phosphatidylcholine. And alcohol or ethanol binds to the phosphos group, kicks off the choline, which is the good part, and makes something called phosphatidylethanol. Phosphatidylethanol can easily pass through the barrier in your brain, which is protective, called the blood-brain barrier, because it kind of takes a ride on a red blood cell. It lives on red blood cells. So it heads right into your brain, and it messes up your neurochemicals, right? Serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, and it stays in your body for 10 to 14 days. Now, if you're a regular drinker, that time is much, much longer at a very unpredictable rate. And this doesn't matter if you're a man, if you're a woman, how big you are, if you have functioning kidneys or a liver, it stays in your system for at least 10 to 14 days. Pretty amazing. Uh, that, That is quite amazing. You know, most people think they have that drink and, you know, the next day that drink is out of your system because you went to the bathroom three, four times that night. So is that the reason why, you know, if I have a drink, I fall asleep, right? I mean, isn't that what's supposed to happen? I get tired, I fall asleep. But, but why is it that I'm waking up in the middle of the night when, when I have that drink? I mean, and I used to drink, I used to drink a lot. I won't say a lot, but I used to drink excessively, uh, according to the data. Um, and I'm talking about if I drink one beer a night now, I'm waking up in the middle of the night like, whoa, I'm wide awake. Why am I wide awake? Why does this happen? Yeah, so it definitely is for that reason with the phosphatidylethanol that, that you're having problems with just one drink. But not only you know does it stay within your brain, it can form other uh, different uh, conjugates as well. One is uh, salicylanol. And what this does is interfere with dopamine signaling, which makes people addicted. Um, there's isoquinolone, Uh, which takes your neurotransmitters and kind of kicks them out of the way. And then acetaldehyde can also make a conjugate with dopamine called THP. And this is actually like an endogenous opiate, right? So it has the same effects as opiates. On the same, same manner, like alcohol directly will act on your GABA system. The GABA system is kind of like the system that relaxes you. This is exactly the same way that Xanax, Ativan, all these sorts of things work, right? So it helps you with inducing sleep, relaxes you, too much will relax you too much. Also why people are uncoordinated and doing silly things. And that's why the drunk test is is the way it is. But it also, it will interfere with deep or stage three sleep, which is the restful time during sleep. After that, alcohol has worn off and the reaction with the GABA receptors, you will get a rebound sympathetic nervous system effect, which is very similar to I was taking the alcoholic beverage at the evening, having problems with sleep because I'm having rebound sympathetic urge. And then the remainder of the following day, you're going to just feel anxious and be kind of revved up. And then you're going to take more alcohol to bring it down. And the cycle repeats and repeats and your tolerance goes up as well. The infamous here, the dog that bit you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, we may be sounding like Debbie Downers with the whole don't drink alcohol thing. Um, But once again, that's not what we're necessarily saying. Um, and I will repeat that throughout this podcast. But what we are once again doing is highlighting the effects of what alcohol does to your body. You know, you see these commercials and everybody's happy. You know, 
everybody's successful and they're drinking and they're partying and it's so great because, you know, why not? I'm happy. I'll drink alcohol. But in all actualities, we really know that alcohol has a very, very bad effect with mental health. So those commercials are doing one thing. They're selling you alcohol. They're not telling you the truth about what alcohol can do to you. So um, I want to talk about some of the effects that alcohol has on different organs in the body. Now, you already did mention the stomach about how the mucous membrane, uh, the epithelial cells are damaged um, from alcohol. What are some of the other things as a GI doctor that you see? Um, for example, what does alcohol do to your esophagus? Uh, so, you know, like in the rest of the GI tract, it ha can have a direct corrosive effect. Um, additionally, in the stomach, you have cells called uh, parietal cells. And the main job of a parietal cell is like a little hydrochloric acid factory. As we get older, we have less and less of these cells. And alcohol actually takes these cells and kind of wipes them out, like gets rid of them. So, therefore... If you don't have enough acid in your stomach, you can't break down certain vital macronutrients like protein, right? If you're hitting the gym, drinking your protein shake like I'm doing right now, um, you're not going to absorb a lot of that protein if you have alcohol on, on board because your hydrochloric acid is low. Um, hydrochloric acid, if it's in imbalance, may also give you not acid reflux disease, GERD or regurgitation or heartburn, but you may have those symptoms from an alkaline reflux from bile acids or pancreas juice coming back and you don't have the hydrochloric acid to neutralize it. So your body has to maintain this balance and that balance is thrown out of whack from alcohol. It's interesting. So also the effects on the heart when it comes to alcohol, alcohol can lead to something called cardiomegaly, which is enlarged heart. And it also can lead to fatty deposits, um, which uh, I believe you talked about earlier um, with the white blood cell infiltration and the uh, mitochondria. So what else can alcohol do regarding when it comes to the effects of the heart? Is it all bad? No, there's uh there, there are good substances in alcohol. I, I should, I should actually uh, qualify that in red wine, in red wine, there, there are substances that kind of, uh, protect your DNA from damage of a substance called a reactive oxygen species or ROS. These ROS are floating around. You know, if you sit in the sun too long, you generate ROS. If you're, if you get radiated, you have ROS. If you eat bad food, you have ROS. These ROS are all around us and they interact with our DNA and our cells and they can damage our cells and they can punch holes in the lipid lining ourselves. Alcohol can do that directly. It can punch holes in our cells called lipid peroxidation and release the fatty acid content. Um, but there are compounds in red wine called resveratrol and resveratrol is actually a protective substance. It's a free radical scavenger. So it actually prevents you from getting the damage due to alcohol and reactive oxygen species. Uh, in particular, in the cardiac field, it lowers bad cholesterol. It, it's anti-inflammatory. Um, it decreases that scar tissue and hypertrophic cardiomyopathy response. So the, the response that makes your heart muscles big, but wide. So dilated cardiomyopathy, it prevents that uh, reaction. They're also anti-arrhythmic. So they can prevent, you know, heart attacks and, and uh, arrhythmias as a result of uh, dilated cardiomyopathy from, from alcohol. I don't know. I mean, or should everybody just go out and drink red wine? I feel like we're sending mixed messages, you know. This is definitely not a prescription uh, of red wine <laughs> BID or twice a day. Um, once again, we're talking about in moderation. Um, you know, if you have a nice meal and you want a, a, a glass, not a bottle of red wine, that, that is acceptable. Um, but it shouldn't be something that you're doing every single night. Uh, what is considered a glass of alcohol? Anyways, what is considered a glass of wine? Because as far as I'm concerned, these glasses are getting bigger and bigger. The goblet shape is getting wider and wider. <laughs> Am I supposed to be filling up this entire thing when I do have my drink? Yeah, so, so everybody uh, has seen the picture online that's like, 
I only drink one glass of beer every day and it's like a giant glass of beer and same thing with wine. So um, one serving of alcohol is technically eight ounces of wine or, you know, essentially one shot of a spirit of some sort or a bottle of beer. If you're beyond that, it is beyond a serving. Um, you know, regarding this resveratrol, like, again, it doesn't correlate if you, if you're, if you want to protect, if you want to get the protective value of alcohol, it doesn't correlate with doing a shot of, of whiskey. This does it. It's not the same thing. Um, but one glass of red wine, not going to kill you. You can also supplement with resveratrol. It is available in pill form. Um, you know, we have a great relationship with iHerb. I would strongly recommend you guys to head on over to iHerb or maximalbeam.com slash iHerb if you want to check out resveratrol in tablet form as well. Awesome. Awesome. So I see these commercials, you know, these successful people, they're going for a run. And after that run, they go out you know, to, to these nice clubs and they're having their light beer. Um, people don't do that. After you work out, that's probably like one of the worst times to drink alcohol. Number one, you're scrapping your entire workout. You're putting in extra calories that you don't need. Drink water, drink your protein shake, do something healthy. Number two, you're supposed to be resting your, your muscles at that point. And what alcohol actually does is it disrupts that, it, it disrupts the effectiveness of healing the muscles. So yeah, the, once again, the commercials make everything look fantastic and fine, but it doesn't work like that. That's, that's not how it really is. Um, also with fitness and alcohol, you get dehydrated. Alcohol is a diuretic. That's why you have those couple of beers, you break the seal, you're peeing all night. So, you know, you got to think, okay, I had a couple of drinks the night before. You just don't magically rehydrate like that. It, that's not how it works. So you're going to dog it in the gym. Number one, you weren't getting the rest that you should have the night before, as well as the fact that your body is now dehydrated. Your cells are depleted. So I've done that before in my younger days. I have <laughs> drank, partied the night before and said, man, I'm, I'm going to go sweat out of the gym. Worst workouts ever. Has that ever happened to you, Dogma? No, absolutely. I mean, you know, not only is the like drinking a beer afterwards counterproductive because you're damaging the cellular powerhouses, the mitochondria, which you just used hard, right? You just used up all this ATP lifting. Um, you need to be good to them. You need to let them rebuild themselves and utilize their natural functions to regenerate the energy in the cells via, you know, oxidative phosphorylation. Um, but yeah, it, it's dehydrating too, for sure. And if you drink the day before, if you go out the night before and you try to work out the day of, you're going to be terrible at the gym for that reason. Your mitochondria are hurt. You can get what's called holiday heart where you, you do have kind of a transient dilated cardiomyopathy. So you're going to retain fluid and not pump as well. Um, it may have slight arrhythmias. You get electrolyte imbalances. Mm -hmm. um, and then not to mention, you know, what we talked about, that it wreaks havoc on your neurochemistry. So you're just going to feel overall kind of tired. What does alcohol do to your skin? So, um, you know, it interferes with a lot of uh, vitamins, in particular B vitamins, which are, you know, exceptionally important to, to your skin. And just like, you know, we talked about with the microbiome on the inside, it can greatly uh, change the microbiome that you have living on your skin, which is, you know, protective and which helps prevent things like eczema and like psoriasis. And don't think that, you know, your microbiome and everything going on the inside of your gut is not related to those conditions because it absolutely is. And if you're putting junk in your body, you're going to show manifestations either through acne, psoriasis, eczema, it's your it's your skin that's just crying out for somebody to help it, to put good things in it. Very, very true, my friend. Now, what can we do to kind of curtail our drinking? Um, what are some of the things that we can do instead of, you know, having that beer with our friends or that, 
or that, uh, you know, shot of whatever it may be uh, when we go out to party? What are some of the things that we can do? So um, number one, you know, the, the most important thing is to go in with a game plan to know that you're going to either drink just one beer or that you're not going to drink at all. And don't give in peer pressure. You know, you're going to have people that are going to look funny at you because they probably think more about themselves and their own relationship with drinking than are worried about your relationship with drinking. I remember when I first tried my experiment, I had a friend say, like, what are you pregnant? And I was like, come on. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I stuck to my guns and I just, you know, I was like, no, I'm just trying to, you know, make myself healthier and, and me not drinking doesn't have any impact. I'm not judging anybody that is drinking, right. I have no, you know, remorse or I have no um, poor feelings towards anybody that, you know, does decide to drink. But for me right now, at this stage of my life, this is the choice that I'm making. And, and I just feel really good not doing it right now. So when I was, personal story here, when I decided to train for my first show, um, one of the first things I did was I stopped drinking, totally stopped drinking. And it was amazing how quickly I got shredded when I removed alcohol from my, you know, from when I went out to eat or when I would have my cheat meal or whatever it may be. I wouldn't drink. Um, and I mean, instantaneously, my body changed. I was holding less water. I didn't have any cramping, as much cramping as I did when I worked out. You know, when I work out, I sweat. And I, I, I would have cramping before. And I realized that, you know, alcohol did play a part in that. Um, my rest was so much better. So, you know, as someone that loves fitness, um, and and pushes everybody to work out, you really have to think about it. If you're, excuse my French, if you're busting your ass in the gym for, you know, one to two hours a day, whatever it may be, you're on that, that elliptical, you know, going, you know, on, on level seven, 10, 11, 12, whatever it may be, is it really worth it to then go out and, you know, have two drinks and add minimum 200 calories of waste back into your system. It really doesn't make sense if you are trying to get to a certain point in your fitness and within your health. So once again, we're not preaching abstinence. That's not what this is, but we are trying to waken your mind to the fact that know what you're putting into your body. You know, that's one of our big things here at Maximal Being, whether it be nutrition, fitness, mental health, whatever it is, know what you're doing to yourself. And one drink is not harmful, but, you know, two, two drinks every single day, that's a little excessive. And, so, and zero drinks is less harmful than one drink. So it's just, you know, it's, it's all about where you are in, in your journey. That's exactly what it is. Um, any other things that you want to touch base on when it comes to drinking? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that for, you know, if you are trying to reach some sort of body composition goal, unless you are genetically blessed, like RN Graham, with like your, you popped out of the womb with a six pack, you probably need to limit your alcohol to one drink in a week. Uh, I, I will be completely honest with you for the reason, the biochemical reason that it interferes with your ability to mobilize free fatty acids. I also think that just doing that experiment one time a year, just for 30 days, trying it out is worth doing. And just like we talked about with intermittent fasting on our podcast with Jackie, it just is a good exercise in uh, getting control over those things that tempt you and need you and, and that you need in your life. It reframes your relationship with alcohol or in the case of fasting with food you have control and you decide when you want to have those drinks and it becomes a conscious decision and not a habit anymore. So I think it's just worth it to do the experiment. Um, use plenty of other liquids. You know, if you like bubbles, seltzer water is a good alternative. There are plenty of mocktails. Like we've made a ton of different mocktails over the years. It's amazing what a little bit of fruit a little bit of citrus and some bubbles will do. I mean, basically the same thing. There are also non-alcoholic beverages that are not terrible nowadays. So 
if you like beer, there are non-alcoholic beers. Um, so I think it's, it's worth it to just give it a try, you know, once in a year. If you really want to drink and you're, you're trying to just mitigate the effects, there are supplements you can take. You can take activated charcoal before you try drinking. That's going to bind up a lot of that alcohol. You can take something called SAM or SAME. It's S-adenosyl L-methionine, and that generates uh, glutathione, and it can help to preserve those mitochondria. There are a number of studies in the liver literature that show maybe some benefit for that. Uh, shows shows a lot more benefit for people without underlying liver disease. It also depends on your underlying genetics as well. There are people that have a hard time with sulfites, right, which is in a lot of red wine. Molly Benden can help with that, which you can be supplemented in 150 micrograms. And there are also people that have a hard time with histamine. So you can do some genetic testing to figure out if you fall into one of those buckets and approach alcohol you know, gun, guns ready. We're going to put up an article that outlines a lot of these strategies at MaximalBeam.com. So what do you ever do with those uh, three bottles of alcohol I bought you for your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> so funny story. <laughs> I uh, want to be a good friend. You so... are a good friend. <laughs> Check. <laughs> So I decided, oh, man, what's a really cool gift for a guy, you know? I was like, oh, Doc Mock, you know, he, he, he likes a, a, a nice nice bourbon or a nice scotch or nice whiskey. So I was like, perfect. I went out and I got this subscription for three months. You get a like a unique bottle um, for three months. So, you know, it covered birthday, Christmas. New Year's. I was like, oh, score win. <laughs> then I find out he stopped drinking. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was right around the same time, too, that that you ordered that for me. But, but the, it, I mean, I, they're still around and, and you know, guests get to enjoy it. So I, I feel like, you know, if the friends and family around me get to enjoy it, that is enjoyment for me as well. That's exactly right. So there you go, people. I mean, listen, uh, you, you, you're going to probably hear it. If you, if you decide to take this journey um, into doing this experiment of not drinking, you know, if you're hanging out with people, you're going to hear, oh, you're not going to let me drink by myself, are you? The answer is, yes, I am. Um, and, you know, I think that you should try it too. You know, you always want to encourage people to do something. And you're going to get a lot of blowback about it. You're going to get a lot of kickback about, oh, man, come on, have one drink. What's it going to hurt? But honestly, like Doc Mock said, it's about discipline um, and it's about control, self-control. Um, if we can do those little things, whether it be not drink, whether it be get up, you know, in the morning uh, on, a, on a day when, you know, oh, I'm too tired to go to the gym, but you get up and you have enough discipline to do it. If you said, you know, you look at that dessert menu and say, you know what? No, not today. Those type of things can lead to gigantic gains in your health and your fitness. Doc Mock, you want to sum up what we've been talking about today? Sure. So, um, you know, alcohol is uh, has does have some protective mechanisms in your body with resveratrol, in particular with red wine. Limitation is the key. If you're looking at body composition goals, would limit it to under one drink in a week. Uh, the recommended daily Normal dosing or safe dosing for a man is under three drinks per day, averaged over a week, and under two drinks, averaged over a day for a woman, I would say probably should be less. One drink will stay in your system for at least 10 to 14 days, higher if you drink all the time. And the effects of alcohol are numerous, not only under the microscope, affecting your cellular powerhouse, your other uh, organelles in your cell, poking holes in your membranes and your blood brain barrier, but the effects on your neurologic system, your psychological health, your cardiovascular health, and your GI and hepatobiliary system are numerous. If you're going to um, try to avoid it, do so safely, use willpower, use mocktails, uh, get somebody on, on your team that's going to do it with you. Try it for at least 30 days, and you can use certain supplements to uh, help protect you if you are going to continue to drink and do so safely. 
Now, one thing before we go to commercial break, I will say this. If you are a heavy drinker um, and you are looking for help, there are many options out there. You need to go ahead and speak to your physician, possibly seek some type of counseling. Uh, we definitely recommend doing that. And one thing that you don't do if you are a heavy drinker, you just don't quit cold turkey. That is very dangerous. So if you are someone that needs help, please, by all means, reach out to a licensed physician or a licensed um, psychologist, psychiatrist. So with that, we're going to go ahead and hit up a commercial break. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to MaximalBean.com Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black ops shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com Rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. And we're back from our commercial break. Um, we were talking about drinking and how you shouldn't do it. And now we're moving on, though, because we're over it. So, <laughs> got a couple uh, pieces of listener mail here. Uh, the first piece of listener mail comes from James. James asks, is chocolate milk a good post-workout meal or food or drink? Um, you know, milk, it does the body good, right? Isn't milk like, I, growing up, they were like, drink milk, 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 milk. So am I supposed to be drinking chocolate milk, Doc Monk? So, you know, it's not a terrible choice, right? It's not like the worst choice that you could choose after a workout, but... To be honest with you, what you need after a workout are carbohydrates to refuel your muscle glycogen, and you need amino acids or protein to help to rebuild and repair the muscle damage. Uh, I would say that depending on what type of milk you're drinking, it's not a carb. It can have some protein, and it has a lot of fat in it as well. Um, in addition, a lot of people have lactose intolerance. And so you're going to be inducing, yeah, some, I, I have mild lactose intolerance as well, but it's, you're going to be inducing a mild inflammatory reaction. Now they actually have looked at whether or not consumption of cow's milk is good, uh, after workout to improve performance and muscle recovery. And I will tell you, after doing extensive uh, literature search on PubMed, there are a number of studies that were done, and I could not find conclusive data to support that statement. Um, there is some evidence to show that cocoa helps with recovery by reducing inflammation um, by similar means that we we're talking about with resveratrol. Um, but I will tell you that, you know, the randomized data are all pretty much underpowered. Um, as far as studies go, like limited sample sizes and all the systematic reviews and meta-analyses say that more data needs to be done, that the studies are of poor quality over and over and over again. So I would say just have a protein shake. You know, you can, you can make a smoothie, throw in some, some fruit, some, some green stuff, you know, multiple colors, have some natural foods. You can have a bowl of oatmeal. That would be a better choice than chocolate milk. I it tastes the same. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. One of my favorite things to do after a workout, a chocolate protein shake. I sprinkle in some, you know, I, I like oatmeal in it. And I mean, it's basic. It's simple. I take it with me, water, protein, oatmeal, shake it up, let it sit for five minutes, guzzle it down. It's, it's good. Like Doc Mock said, it gives you everything you need. And I don't have to worry about the lactose intolerant. You know, I mean, no one wants to be around that person. So, yeah. 
Nope. You're going to be recovering alone if that's the case. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the next piece of uh, listener mail from Christopher. Now, Doc Mock, you spoke to Christopher about this one. What are your thoughts about ghee as a de- detoxifying agent? Now, what is ghee, right? So ghee is basically butter, right? Yes, no, kind of? Well, right. how, how would you characterize ghee? ghee? Ghee is a clarified butter. It's very common in Southeast Asian communities. Um, and it's a very common Ayurvedic, um, you know, medication adjunct. It is a fat, right? It, it is a, a butter product. And it does tend to have lower lactose um, than, than butter does, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what is eliminated in the filtration process is a lot of the lactose, now that said, not all filtration processes are perfect and you're going to retain some lactose. In terms of a detox, you know, um, e- e- most detox systems are going to involve something that helps you poop a lot, like a magnesium citrate, right? It's like a diarrheal inducing medicine. They're going to involve a bunch of herbs and spices, which some have good evidence, some maybe not, most can't hurt you. And then a medium for which to help you absorb that those herbs and spices. And that's usually some sort of fat. If you're really trying to detox your body, meaning reduce inflammation, like we talked about, and you see that two members of this show right here have lactose intolerance. That's right. Lactose intolerance is exceptionally common. And it gets more common for every decade over 20. And the reason being is that from an evolutionary standpoint, we were not born being able to break down other animals' milks. That's and there's correct. somewhere in there, probably in the cold climate societies, where we developed an ability to do that with an enzyme called lactase, which takes lactose, which is a sugar, and breaks it down into galactose and glucose. It probably had to do with the fact that, you know, we could we could make cows and and have them live in a barn during the winter and we could sustain, you know, the winter by drinking the milk of a cow. But in many people, this gene will turn off and you will essentially lose your ability over time. And whether what turns it off, it, it's a viral illness. It, it's many, many things. Um, there are different types of cows and different types of lactose. So A2 cows, which are the spotted ones, you know, the Mm -hmm. ones that you see on all the milk packages. Those are the most common ones in America. Um, They're not all spotted, but most (laughs) of them are. Um, And those are the ones that have a higher percentage of lactose in their, um, you know, the the actual milk sugar in their milk. But A1 cows, not everybody with lactose intolerance will have a hard time with A1 cows. It's just hard to find those products. Um, And they're expensive. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Also, what the animal was fed matters too. So if that animal was fed grains, you're also getting grains in addition to lactose and gluten intolerance is also exceptionally common, probably number two to lactose intolerance. So if you want to detoxify your body, adding a pro, a very common pro-inflammatory compound is not a good idea. When In the GI world, when I'm getting somebody on it, kind of like an elimination diet to reduce the inflammation leaky gut dysbiosis, lactose is one of the first things that I remove. So a better choice would be good old fashioned olive oil. Olive oil stimulates stem cells. It helps with regeneration. Look at all the data on the Mediterranean diet. They use olive oil for a reason. It's anti-inflammatory. You know, it, 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 a lot of people will argue that ghee versus uh, olive oil, that ghee is better because of the smoke point, right? Not true. Not true. Yeah. You know, if you go to a blog, you're going to find that, that 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 they say that. But if you actually look at the evidence, the smoke points are virtually the same. Um, and they're both relatively high. They're about, you know, 325, 350, 400 degrees, depending on what type of oil you're getting. So olive oil has no chance for inflammation, less chance for uh, degenerating as a fat. So I think olive oil is just such a better choice as a def- detoxifying agent. And it's cheaper. <laughs> and it's cheaper and, and very readily available. Yes, it is. So there you go, people. I mean, Mediterranean diet, one glass of red wine with it every five, six days or so. Perfect mix. 
in closing, any thoughts that you want to share with us? Anything going on with you or anything else, Doc Mock? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, we love doing the podcast. We're getting more and more sponsorships. We appreciate all of you as viewers. If you have not done so already, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. It really does help us get the word out uh, to all of the other listeners out there. Um, if you want to, you can shoot us an email at team at maximalbeing.com. We would love to hear from all of you and answer your questions on air. We continue to turn out a lot of wonderful free content for all of you to continue to educate you and teach you the science behind a lot of these common nutritional things. And we are having so much luck with our community and the people that we consult on nutritionally. It's amazing. You know, it's hard to convince somebody to eat more food and lose fat. But how great is that to be able to eat more and look the way that you want to? It's not a gimmick, folks. It's not a gimmick. No, it's the truth. It's, but it's just science, you know? So it, it was great to talk, talk to you again, R.N. Graham. I, I always love our talks, and I thought this was a great one. I definitely agree with you. Until next one, see you later, Maximal Beings. See you next time. We're here to maximize your pathway to wellness. Next week on is there the Maximal sensitivity? Podcast. Is there a gut infection? What are the environmental toxins? You know, we're exposed to a whole bunch of endocrine um, disruptors from our environment. We're in the middle of a huge food experiment with the, you know, with the, with the, with the glyphosate that is, is put on our food, um, is sprayed on our food. And then also the mental, emotional stress of, of dealing with infertility. So um, we look to minimize those stressors. And then... Do us a favor, Maximal Beings, and leave us a comment or review. Hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know so that we can get the word out. And until next time, this is Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness.